All right, the intro is going to be brief. Next time you plan a trip down, Tom, just come on. Don't worry about tickets because evidently when you're supposed to be here, I've got tickets rolling out my front door this week. <laughs> All of a sudden, I couldn't get a ticket for nobody. And this week, I've went through like 14 tickets. It's amazing. We lost one. And now everybody's giving me tickets and selling me tickets. And I've sold literally 12 tickets this week. Next time, ship? Just next time, plan on coming. I'm Randall. I'm a frustrated ball, but we'll get to that later. Welcome to Reckless Speculation, the show where we have five hosts and four of them shows up. Roger will be here in just a minute. We say that every week, but above me, the one guy that has kind of my political persuasion, kind of weird that I agree with the Ohio State guy sometimes. It just really <laughs> kind of creeps me out, to be honest with you. But he's a good man, and he is Brandon Jane. What's going on, fellas? All right, man. Ohio State struggled this week, man. They did. We'll simple. get to that. We'll get to it. But they struggle. And speaking of the struggle bus, he's over here, and he's a Michigan fan. And for about three and a half quarters, they made it interesting for me. But he is Go Big Gretch, otherwise known as AKA LinkedIn Tom, Tom Sloan. Fellas, what's up? Yes, uh, they gave me a scare down in uh, Piscataway, but uh, just like Brandon said, just like Brandon said, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to that. Yes. And he's evidently lo- the. The stranded person off of the, you know, world's biggest, what is that, world's greatest race, and now has a plan to go around the state of Tennessee all by himself. And he'll explain it to us later on, maybe. But he's explained it to me three times, and I still don't understand, other than Robbie Davis. Yeah, I'm going two sporting events, three cities, um, all of the backpack this weekend, and just um hitchhiking my way around literally uh, leaving hey, your car hey side note real quick before we get started so tom question for you so the the little like if you're coloring inside the lines with the crayola little things what are they called crayons crayons okay thank you okay all right so not crayons I, they're crayons uh, they're crayons, but not crayons. Okay. No, no. So my wife's from Ohio, and she calls them crowns. And no, I was like, Wait, "What? What are you saying, crowns?" And I was like, "No, they're Crayola crayons." I am from Ray County. Uh, that's as proud Dayton, Tennessee, and those things have been crayons my whole life. Yes, that's what they are. Well, if you're French, yeah, you would say crayon, crayon. Uh, Listen, I'm, man. I'm sh- I'm sure uh, you know, know how to get directions to Mama and Nims. You can't even talk to me. I'm welcome. sure you Brian says crayons now. Welcome, welcome. We are going <laughs> they live. They crayons on the bayou. I have a question up front that is a random question you will not be prepared for, and I did not want y'all to be prepared for it. So I am going to go to the world of, shockingly, NFL football. I want to know how you, by the way, 
Jim Leonard from Ohio says we don't say that in Ohio. So there's some tell other. Allison that Allison does say that. I just want a quick feedback. I'm struggling with the NFL season. It seems like it is really, really parody has gotten to the point where it is a struggle bus for me on Sunday watching so many 17 to 13 games, said 20 to 17. Is the NFL becoming the no fun league? I mean, uh, are you enjoying the parody in the NFL, Brandon? Um, I don't mind it. I, I do miss kind of, you know, the high scoring games where you can bet and take the over and over receiving yards and all that stuff. My favorite bet. Easy. Just yeah. bet over and just go, yeah, go offense, go offense. Yeah. And, and just root for it and get it. But, um, you know, this has been a really, really down year. And we, we all got used to that for what, you know, five, six years of the NFL where it's just complete shootouts and high scoring games. And uh, you're still having close games, but the, the scoring average is quite a bit lower. I mean, if you look at week in and week out, it it's is. 38 to 42 points on average. Uh, and then, you know, your high games are 46, 47 over under. So it's definitely fallen quite a bit. I think uh, a couple months ago, I was looking at some stat. It was like it fell almost six or seven points per game on average of what what we're used to. So I don't mind it, though. I mean, you're still getting some entertainment with the closer games here and there. Uh, and this year's been wild with some teams that were unexpectedly good Um Jets, uh, Giants, to name a couple, uh, both in New York. So um, it's it's still a fun season to watch. But yes, do I miss you know the fifty point games? Yeah, for sure. Robbie, I, I, I you know I'm not a big Titans fan, and I've never been a big Titans fan. But even when I split flipped on the Chiefs game the other night, expecting Derrick Henry to go for two fifty, and it. The, 28 to 31 game it's a 20 20 to 17 game uh and it's really becoming while the college game has become 52 49 the program has really become grounded out when the game close yeah so and i've probably in the last 10 years i've flipped on this i used to be on your side of the aisle and been like oh college is much more exciting and there's more bang plays and there's more break open. And then actually I was talking to our good buddy Blake about this and he kind of, he kind of persuaded me and he was like, the beauty of the NFL is how good the defenders are. And like that pass has to be perfect or it's broken up there. There there's the windows are so tight. And so I, I've gotten to where I appreciate more just how difficult the NFL is. It's not a scheme your way into things. It like the read must be part, like the quarterback read must be perfect. The receiver read must be perfect. The blocking must be perfect. Like it is such a tactical game. And so I've gotten to where I like that um, just as much, if not better. And Man, sit if you sit down with the Red Zone Channel. I, there's there's nothing that beats that on on the on the day. That's just 
pure talent, no commercials all day long. Tom, one question, and uh, we'll we'll go on to our regular programming. There is two lines above 45 this week. Most of them are 44, 45, 43, one at 37. I've never seen consistently lines at 37, 38, 39. Uh, while I'm a defensive guy, I always love defense, love great credit. I, I think what Robbie says is, is of value. But every now and then I get tired of seeing the kickers try 14 field goals in a game. And, and you know, it's kind of like the baseball thing. Chicks dig the long ball. Uh, you know, fat 50-year-old guys dig 50-yard dig pass plays. So, uh is it ever coming back, or is this the wave of the future? Well, I, if you look at the two games, you're talking about Cleveland and Miami and the Chargers in San Francisco, the only games over 45. I think what we're seeing in the NFL is there's good athletes on the defensive side of the ball like we haven't seen in previous NFL seasons. And it's forcing offenses to have to be stronger, have to be faster, and, and they're just not matching up with some of these teams. Um, and it's just a testament to the, to the parody of the NFL. So I like defensive games, uh, that, uh, Titans chiefs game last week came down to the end. I mean, it was, it was helmet on helmet defensive stands. Um, unfortunately the Titans couldn't pull it off, but they played a hell of a game. And that, that game was one on, on defensive prowess. And, and I just think there's some, unbelievable talent on a defensive side of the ball. They're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster than anything we've ever seen. And I think that is the reason why uh, you're seeing these low uh, over-under scores. And and frankly, uh, the quarterback position hasn't exactly taken off. You've, you've kind of had a lull. You had the, the pocket passer, that's kind of a dying breed. And then you had the the athletic running quarterback, and and you know what defense has figured it out for the most part. So, I think uh, there's there's a lack of talent coming out of college at the quarterback position, which only uh, helps defenses out that have the the size and the speed and the the power that they're possessing in the NFL. You make a great point that I was not going to follow up on, but this is a great point, and I do think you are right. And I'll throw it down to Rod, who's joining us. Uh, we're talking about the reduced scoring in the NFL. And to your point, Tom, we were in the era of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history all played in a 15- to 20-year window mm -hmm. that if we were doing the top 20 quarterbacks in NFL history going back since day one, we probably had 10 of them active within the last two decades. Has quarterback play, Raj, slowed down the scoring in the NFL? I don't know. It That's the best I can do. You got, I mean, if you look at a team like Denver and Russell Wilson, you know, these are, there's a lot of movement in the offseason, entirely new offenses. You got guys like Tannehill that have been hurt. Um, I, I could make the argument that offensive line play uh, has been more than substandard. And, and that's really a position that, I agree that quarterback play, and I think that's going to be remedied very soon with the amount of young talent coming out over the next few years. But offensive line play has just been awful. You know, there's one guy that seems to be selected in the top five or six, and then everybody else is just 
a constant plug and pl- a plug and a, a, a rotator guy, rotation guy. Um, you know what's interesting though is when you look at the Rams, who were near the top of the NFL last year, the Super Bowl champion Rams. They are third. I don't know if we discussed this. Third to last in the NFL in points scored. Right now, Stafford's going into possible protocol, but everybody's been healthy. Uh, except for maybe Acres, but they have 131 points scored. Only the Broncos and the Steelers are below them. Uh, and that's about 16 points a game. I-, I would agree with overall what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, if you just go up and down the league, I mean, and I don't know if that's the trend. You know, you look at a team like Atlanta, who is also kind of showing that you don't need – an amazing quarterback that in today's NFL that you can have big receivers and move the ball on the ground. And, uh, but yeah, I'm just looking right now. And if you go down the NFL, you know, Seattle, Geno Smith playing well, but still uh, Atlanta, Miami to in and out, New Orleans, New England, uh, uh, Cleveland, uh, Jacksonville, not what he's supposed to be. New York, uh, Minnesota seven and one, but easiest schedule ever. Kirk cousins, Detroit, Chicago, (laughs) Uh, the Raiders, Panthers, Niners, Giants. I mean, these are all teams with substandard quarterbacks. If, if they had anybody fairly average to above average, uh, and you can go down the list. These teams think they can win. Washington, uh, we can keep going. Malik Willis in Tennessee and Tannehill. Sorry, guys, but it's true. The Texans, the Colts. I mean, it's amazing. The Steelers. It's it's crazy. And, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're right. We're Titans are only averaging like eighteen point four points a game or something. I mean, it's very, very low. And yeah, I read I mean, they're five and three, but these quarterbacks. I read the odds on Daniel Jones winning the MVP, and he's in the top six or seven. And, oh my and gosh. I think that's ridiculous. We, this is New York. Is considered a elite quarterback now. I mean, it is. Really? It is. It's a Tua. rough time in quarterback. Oh, yeah. No, Two is my fantasy quarterback. He's definitely elite. <laughs> and then you got running backs, you know, aside from Saquon, guys like last year, Mixon finally scored more than one TD, scores five in a game. But, you know, look at Jonathan Taylor. He's played six of their nine games. Uh, he's got Terrible. more fumbles than TDs. He's got two fumbles well, and Jonathan one touchdown. Taylor, the well, Taylor gets the Colts. They're, we're they're, about to ooh. get to the Colts. That's a great lead in. Not only Please. is Jonathan Taylor on my fantasy team, he was my hope to rebuild my fantasy team. And the death nail to my fantasy team came this week when the Colts named Jeff Saturday as the head coach. The only season, or the last season Jeff Saturday was a head coach was at the high school level, and he went three and seven. We always hear about these kind of candidates but n- nobody ever hires them, do they, Robbie? This, well, because this came all during the Powerball frenzy, and I was like, let just pick a random season ticket holder and let them call plays the rest of the season. Like, <laughs> like look, Jeff Saturday, he, 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 by all accounts, he's a good guy. I love him on ESPN. I think he knows what he's talking about, about football. But, like, look, it's one thing with the players, but – Look, there's a whole coaching staff. There's offensive coordinators, there's offensive line coaches, there's special team coaches. All those guys have been working there for at least this year, years, working their way up the ranks, and you just grab a guy off of ESPN because he used to play for you and say, hey, yeah, he's the head coach. Like, 
what incentive is that for these coaches to coach? Like they're all, it reminds me in the scene in Moneyball. Hey, I just got to update my resume so somebody hires me next year. And that's what I imagine all these coaches are doing. It, it like Jimmy Ursay, like, look, hey, um, however you make your money, you make your money. But he uh, inherited this team from his father. He, you know, Peyton, Andrew Luck were with him. And, but I mean, it, look, they're a dumpster fire right now. And this whole, yeah, just grabbing somebody. I guess Peyton said no, but this, uh, I mean, I hope it works out just for entertainment factors, but um, yeah, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's just, it's just a a reality TV show at the moment. Randall, I had him at 20 and 16, by the way, total at Hebron Christian Academy in Dacula, Georgia. Now I'm not sure, but he did retire. His last three and seven is all I read. Oh, my apologies. I read that he only left because his son was a guy who doesn't play receiver at UNC. So, uh, but and and Auburn names Cadillac Williams their head coach was his kind of. So yeah, I don't he know was on staff though. He was yeah. at least, like, he yeah. was a coach yeah. there. Like this guy's literally leaving Bristol to go to Indy and be like, "Hey, here's my whistle." Like, does he know? Does he even have a play sheet? Like he, it's. Can I say a few two things? One, the last time I saw this happen was with the Raiders. That was with Mike Mayock, who left being the NFL draft analyst. And his draft picks, by the way, his first round picks were Arnett, the cornerback of Ohio State, out of the league. Ruggs, out of the league, in jail for life. Uh, Leatherwood gave up most sacks ever out of the league. These are first round picks. Jonathan Abram released yesterday, first round pick. <laughs> and Josh Jacob, who is about to be up for a contract, is going to leave. So the NFL analyst thing, that's some precedent. On top of that, you got Gus Bradley on the staff, John Fox on the staff, two former head coaches with a ton of experience, <laughs> a guy named Bubba Ventrino, I think, or Ventrone, who's a special teams guy who a lot of people love, young up-and-coming coach. Um, this is obviously a punt. They punted on the season. Matt Ryan's not going to play anymore because of his contract. They don't want to pay him. Put it, bring in a players guy. Um, you know, Saturday they tried to hire twice for offensive line duty, including this year, and he said no. Um, it's just a oh, everybody loves this guy, and in the end we have an excuse, right? He wasn't a coach. He's our beloved Jeff Saturday. Uh, he's like a mascot at this point. So it, it's obvious punting and. Before we condemn Jim Ursay with the Rooney rule and whatnot, we can't forget that he did hire Tony Dungy and then his successor, Jim Caldwell, both African-Americans. So I just think it's a total punt on the season. They're 3-5-1 and one in a winnable division. Um, you know, if it works out somehow, then yay. We got, you know, the greatest thing ever. If not, well, he's an ESPN analyst in our ring of honor. <laughs> Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and to your point, um, unlike Mayock, he's not going to get any draft picks. Uh, you know, I don't foresee this working out. This is a high upside play. Like, let's think outside the box or let's buy time. You know, maybe they're going to interview uh, Fox and, you know, some of the other guys on there and want to do a proper interview for that position instead of just throwing someone in um, in the mix of it. Uh, so, but those guys know, are retreads. Knows? That's where uh, you put in retreads, like right uh, there. 
I would think so too. I would think so too. But, you know, this is definitely outside the box and we'll just continue to watch this dumpster fire burn um, the rest of the way down. Can we get Herschel Walker a job? (laughs) (laughs) He's over over qualified, dude. He preferred Barry Sanders or Megatron for the new lines. (laughs) Well, for me, it's Jim Irsay is the type of guy that likes to flaunt. He likes to like brag about what he has. He's just kind of that not your prototypical owner. He's he looks like he's drunk all the time. Um, you know, he likes to fly people around on his plane. (laughs) Yeah, so yeah, I mean he's got that he's got the perma red cheeks and you know, so um but the wind they've they've waved the white flag here. This is this is an absolute publicity stunt. This is hopes to keep fans on board to potentially next year. Uh, but one good thing about Indianapolis fans, they're loyal. They're loyal fans. I, I went to a game down there at uh, at the um, the Oil Stadium, uh, Lucas Oil, and man, those were some of the nicest fans I ever came across. They were very, very loyal. They were very friendly, and and I I think he knows he's got a fan base that's not going to turn their backs on him. So. It's a publicity stunt. I mean, he might as well go go down the road to that uh, the new studio that Pat McAfee has and and say, "Hey, Pat, you want to you know you want to call plays? You want to run defense?" I mean, that's where no, we're at that right would now. Be good. First and only time I've seen the air guitar played to the national anthem was a Colts game. It was Peyton Manning versus Rich Gannon and the Raiders on Sunday Night Football. I saw the air guitar played. So much respect to the Colts nation. Well, the the path. To the NFL, usually runs through Hebron Christian's Academy and in, in Atlanta. So I mean, it's obvious. Like Miami of Ohio. We need to get this record thing cleared up, though. What was his actual record? No, he's right. It was twenty and sixteen, but he went three and seven in his final year. Uh, over, and he was there four years, I think, four seasons, if that's correct. Um, mm-hmm. The yeah. the funny the funny thing about this story, Dwight Freeney was on. He was on a, a, a interview show, whatever, and they they broke it to him that yeah they just named Jeff Saturday the coach, and he was like yeah hey, no way, and and they <laughs> said no they just announced he was the interim, and he about fell out of his chair like what what are they doing? So even even alumni are like scratching their head about this. <laughs> Classic, it's crazy. That franchise was so close to leaving Indianapolis at one point that Peyton kind of saved that franchise, and now they are doing everything they can to run it back into the rails. So, oh, well, the, the RC, I think it was the RCA dome. RCA dome. It, was it, was, a, it was a dump. Like Indianapolis, yeah. such a great city, too. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I've heard. I, I, I was there in 2003 ish. Um, but I heard it like with the new, uh, the Pacers arena is really nice. Everything's right there, dude. Everything's yeah. you you can literally hit like a hundred bars and not even hit the street. Everything's all interconnected downtown. It's awesome. Lucas, these guys know I was there for the NCAA tournament in the COVID year. Everything was right there. Only Butler, which was amazing, was more than a five minute walk. It's crazy. Lucas Bowl is my favorite stadium for football. And it's built for football. And the people are in the stands an hour early. And the, the crowd is setting at kickoff, unlike Atlanta, where nobody shows up for, until halftime or 
if they do show up, it's with three drinks and they watch five minutes of the game. So Casul <laughs> is built for football, and it is really nice, and it has a feel of I will say, Indy in general, that fan base, um, they're really intelligent, like with, with basketball, with football. Whenever Peyton was there, hey, it was as quiet. You couldn't – like there was no talking whenever he had – was doing the snap count. It was silent, and they knew exactly what to do. It Very was, smart fans. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, so nobody's behind the Jeff Saturday hire uh, unless you're a Titans. I, mean, I think it's funny. <laughs> Bravel. <laughs> I, would be, I would be really behind it. So let's move on to the world of baseball real fast before we end up tonight on our favorite subject will be college football. Uh, I have to admit, last year I rode the high of the Braves winning the World Series and I was totally into it and totally sold. I watched less than 20 minutes of the World Series this year. Uh, I checked the ratings. They were not great. Uh, Higher than expected, though. Yeah. Down from last year, two teams that's not terribly popular outside of their area in the World Series. Uh, the Braves, kind of a good feel story. Uh, what does this World Series say about the state of baseball? Uh, that I think it was the second story one night or third story on ESPN Sports Center behind some random college football story and NFL story, then the World Series. Has baseball lost another level of footing, or was it just not a matchup that drew national attention? We'll start. We'll start. We'll end up with Rod. So let's start up top with our other baseball guy, Tom, and move around. Well, I, I think the general populace would say uh, it suffers because who wants to watch baseball on November 5th? You know, that. Fortunately, it, the game was played in Houston where they can roll the roof uh, closed, which, you know, makes it uh, a competitive game. But really, when you we boil it down, this was a really good World Series. Uh, you had uh, the Phillies in game four tie a, a World Series record with five home runs. The very next day, you get a combined no-hitter from the Astros pitching staff. I mean – you name it, you got it in this World Series. But it's clouded underneath a shroud of college college football. And, 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 and NBA has started now, so I think that's, that's taken a lot of the heat away. But the MLB has to come up with some kind of a solution, and I just don't know if they ever will, that it, you're figuring now they're starting – pitchers and catchers report second week of February – and they're playing games at, at, at the end of April. So they're going from the end of April, early March, or um, I'm sorry, end of March, early April, all the way to, you know, the beginning of November. That's, I think if there's a little burnout involved with, with the, you know, second tier fan, we'll say. Um, baseball fan like myself, I'm sure Raj, we were, I was plugged into it. I loved every minute of it, but um, yeah, I mean, to the, to the to the basic every now and again catch a ball game and you know if, if the weather's right they're not going to be saying oh oh the world series on when there's a 
you know, Michigan and Rutgers or, or you know, Tennessee and, and Georgia game going, being played. They're, they're just not tuning in. And that's a baseball problem. And, and ultimately, when you have a World Series, which back when I was a kid, that was a pinnacle. And it's being, you know, second, third on Sports Center. That's a huge issue. And here's another thing. Games t- start too late and they last way too long. You have an 8 to 8.30 first pitch. You're looking at midnight, 12.30. You took the kids right out of the mix right there. And I think that's a huge problem. And, and they need to fix it. I just don't know if they will. Actually, Tom, uh, they've moved moved back catchers and report uh, pitchers report. I don't know if you can see this. It is 96 days and oh. two hours to the start of the 2023 baseball season. Good grief. Yeah, I- I mean, they 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 could is yeah basically three months. Robbie, you've preached it, but go ahead and go ahead and tell the world your 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 how do you fix baseball? Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. That's when you play the playoffs. Look, I know baseball purists. Hey, we don't care about football. Blah blah blah. That's fine. But numbers show differently. Tennessee, Georgia pulled in 13.6 million viewers for a regular season college football game. The game six clinching of the World Series pulled in 12.5. Less people watch the clinching game of the World Series than they watch a regional college football game. And they match them up against each other. That's just stupid. So – Play it Tuesday, Wednesdays, Fridays. I, I know it upsets it upsets the pitching rotations, but this is a entertainment sport. The TV brings dollars. Dollars makes everyone happy. Um, Three highest ratings, happen. Rob. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, by far. No, Tuesday, Wednesday, you, Thursday, by far this year. Are you, is it? Was it? Yep. Yeah, it's because there's nothing else on. There's no other sport on. Like, why would you not want to just tune in and watch the World Series? If, you know, you know uh, that's just me. Well, that's that's bottom of the barrel now. Let's. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that no, is. I, I I totally agree. I mean, they got to fix the schedule. Like, you know, I consider myself a second, quasi third tier fan. I was tuned into this. Uh, you know, I watched game four, five, and six. Uh, I didn't watch the the first couple, but um, yeah, it was exciting. Uh, but you know, again, too, I think there's a lot of Houston haters out there that are just like, I'm not going to watch this team. And then, you know, Philly, they were entertaining, and that's kind of what I was wanting to see. I mean, I had already written in Astros as as the the chance before the series started, but I was like, could it happen? You know, could they catch lightning in a bottle? Could These they keep the bad huge markets too? It's two like, huge this markets. This is Tampa and St. Louis. Well, and that you know what was a game. I think it was game three that Bryce Harper home run. Mm-hmm. I mean that that was amazing. You know it was that moments like that. In the eighth inning. Yeah, moments like that are are just really cool to see in baseball because, you know, as you both know, uh, baseball or all y'all probably, but 
mean, you, it's pitch by pitch. You live on the edge of your seat, especially if it's a team you're rooting for, like the Braves last year. You know, I felt, you know, kind of like quasi-Brave fan last year watching it. So it is entertaining. Um, but they've got to they've got to attract more fans, and you can't do that competing with dominant forces uh, above you. I mean, it's just not a smart move. I, also, before I go to Rod, I'm going to ask this. For me, I am a hardcore Braves fan. I was, let's say, I watch a hundred of 162 during the year. It's not like I won't go out to dinner when the Braves are on. But if I'm home and the Braves are playing, it'll be on somewhere. All right. As a hardcore Braves fan, it's hard for me to watch the Phillies in the World Series. It was it was really tough. I couldn't do it. So if you get it's almost with baseball that if you are a hardcore fan and your team's not there, it's not the same. So yeah. Fox, well, and you're you're a little butt hurt too, and you you don't want to yeah. really watch it and root for. I totally get it. Yeah. I mean, totally understand. Eliminated that. us last thing. They I were was, almost 500, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. Come on. They, if not for this new format, which is part of the problem, there's no way they should have been in. They just got hot. Braves exactly. did that last year, but the Braves were a good team who won a lot of games. This right. team didn't belong in the playoffs. I agree. Uh, I agree, but they, you know, they did make it, and that that was an interesting story to me, being kind of an outside fan you know I thought that kind of drew me I was like you know their bats are on fire and you know in baseball it's it's not the best team that wins uh, very rarely and you know fortunate unfortunately this year it was I'd rather seen Phillies win uh, just to beat the Astros but you know Mattress Mac made it 75 now so good sure for Dusty happy. Baker I'm happy for Dusty <laughs> yeah Baker. I was happy for Dusty 25 years as a manager, and he gets his first World Series, and he's got another contract, well, just signed a contract for this year. So that storyline was cool. You know, that was cool to see. Very different. I know Randall's going to ask than the previous Astros championship, which they cheated in A.J. Hinch, who's a total prick. Hey, now. <laughs> what? I, I, I will was he your manager? That's um, my manager. <laughs> That's my manager. Thing about TV programming, like, have y'all ever just let the dog creep off off like the ESPN pregame on Sunday? You know what they go to at one o'clock on Sundays? Cornhole. Yeah, cornhole. It's like it's like that's what they put against the NFL because they're like, we're not wasting our time or dirt. Yeah, baseball keeps running their head into a brick wall. Like, just move the games. It was like that Harry Potter game version this past week. Slam uh, ball. It, it was oh, World Chase oh, tag, but spike, that's so awesome that they moved ball. it. Yeah, spike ball. <laughs> yeah. Spike ball. The yeah, tag dude. is great. The tag that's is great. Those kids are amazing. Awesome. Yeah, dude. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Were you asking? Yeah. It's... It used to be figure oh. skating and ice skating and stuff. They'd try to get whatever yeah. niche market oh, yeah. they could yeah. get. Keep, keep now I don't. ESPN after countdown on Sundays. They'll they'll go to yeah. just the most random. Yeah, it turns it's into like bowling or professional pool or cornhole. It was, it was seriously, ball. the Harry Potter game, Quidditch or whatever the hell they Quidditch? call it. Quidditch, yeah, yeah. 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 Quidditch. It was like a version of that, and they had like talking about team. Uh, one time it was wiffle ball, a wiffle ball championship where they played on a high school field, and they made this little course. Usually it's Johnsonville Brats Cornhole. 
which yeah. one time it was axe throwing off. I mean, this is all stuff that that's a great Ocho, sponsorship dude. for cornhole, by the way. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, nope. yeah, Randall, just yeah, just, just nobody's leave under two one bills. TV on ESPN after <laughs> countdown and just, just, just watch it. what comes on. It's amazing. I'll do it this Sunday, Raj. All in all, did you watch the World Series or were you like me, kind of just flipping by every now and then? I was jaded. Um, at first, I thought some people would watch because of like the Howard Stern effect. If you remember private parts, like people listen to Howard Stern because they like him, but more listen because they they hate him. Like they want to see what he what he says because they hate him. Right. Like in that effect, like some people just turn it on because they love to hate Houston. Uh, no, I was jilted and uninterested. I watched barely anything. If maybe a pitch, um, I just couldn't do it. It was boring to me. Um, being said, I knew you were going to come around to this. Yeah, I do have more respect for this one because unless proven otherwise, they didn't cheat. And this was baseball. You know, you and I are old as purists. You know, they won five to two, five nothing, three to two, four to one. They allowed five runs in their four wins. They had two yeah. errors in the whole series. They were both in one game, which game they won. They had a no hitter. But that stuff's boring, man. Uh, I don't know what that says, but I agree with it probably. Um, crayons. Oh. <laughs> you know, they had 48 hits to Philly just hitting home runs. It was just a boring, like, April matchup. Uh, we said it before, like Tom said, baseball should never be played. I've said it many times. In November, I was at the game on Halloween night. Fenway game two. It was less than 10 degrees with wind chill. Game started at 9. It ended at 1 a.m. It sucked. Cut at least two series. The last two months of the season are mainly crappy division games, divisional games. You know, cut at least one series against every other team. Start the playoffs two months prior. Only games during the week and problem solved. Yeah. You're and, right. And play double headers during the season. Like a good double header is great. Like, why do they stop Split doing squad. that? Split squad. Like spring training, split squad. Yeah. You got a great team, man. Dodgers would have been fine. Jim Leonard says they need to get a whiteboard with crayons to solve baseball's problems. And our boy Harold <laughs> comes in with money bags. Robbie has multiple TVs to leave on obscure sports. <laughs> <laughs> Come in, hey Harold. Come I, in. I, I need, I need, I need a whiteboard room to solve baseball's problems. All right. Let's move on to what we got to get to. We got about 40 minutes and probably about 15 before my voice goes out. I did promise and I will start at the top of last week's news story. And I had several Georgia fans that say, you won't have, you won't get on and you won't talk about Tennessee, Georgia. Well, you obviously don't know me very well. You dumbasses. Um, Tennessee, Georgia, a complete spanking it is very hard. Uh, no, Georgia played well. I, I'm not about this. They gave the world the the, the the progress to beat the the Braves. I mean, the Braves balls. You know what they have? They have five star cornerbacks, and they were able to rush the passer. It's hard to win in the SEC. And just like Josh Hopple said, they won every 50-50 play. They won every. Everything that went right was Georgia's side. Uh, I do credit the Georgia fans. When we turned on that, when I turned on my TV 
and I go to most games, and I know I don't see it from a TV standpoint. I turned on my TV, and I went, oh, crap. Because that crowd looked like a Tennessee crowd at the Tennessee-Alabama game. It was loud. They stood the whole time. And that dumbass, and I said it, that's two dumbasses. Eric Ainge, stay off of Twitter. You need to pay your $8 to Elon Musk or go away. The quote that playing at Georgia wasn't hard, you thinking? I mean, just give them material to put up on their bulletin board. You're an idiot. But congratulations to the Bulldogs. You are you are rightly the number one team in the country. But it ain't over. Ain't over for no one of us. I remember you losing by 17 to Alabama last year and five weeks later winning. So long ways to go. Don't build your trophy case out yet. But right now, clearly the number one team in the country. Who would like to go first with instant reactions from Tennessee Joy? Robbie Davis, I knew you would you would you would you would be hey, they kicked their ass. I'm the first one who'll say it. Yeah, they did. Um and look, Kirby Smart said as much um, after the game. Look, he said, you know, they gave us problems last season. We started repairing this in spring. And look, the and I was kind of foolish for betting on Tennessee in hindsight, thinking about it after he explained it and it made sense. He's like, Alabama and us run the exact same defense or very similar. He's like, we just not saw well. a few minutes on tape of what not to do. Like, So he's like, if we played them, I probably would have done the same thing Nick did. But seeing the mistakes they made, then I was able to correct it. And be like, this is how we're gonna we're gonna attack it differently. Um, plus, being on the road, yeah. That makes you look, George. I mean, come after the king, you best not miss, and we missed. Uh, and so, look, I mean, is it a bad loss? No, it's at Georgia, and it it was it was nowhere near as close as the score made it out to be. But it was um, the first very fortunate that. there, man. Very um, fortunate. Yeah, and and, and that score. Is going to be important, I think, as, and we'll talk about this later. Absolutely. But, um, um, but yeah, I mean, Tennessee was lucky to keep it in 14. Um, hell, the defense played well, but, I mean, it, look, it, George, it well. there, there's, different, there's difference between being a second-year coach and a sixth- or seventh-year coach in a program, and it showed. I, you know, it's, there's a difference in having five-star athletes all over your team. Tennessee schemes to get a lot of what they've done. Georgia has the best athletes in the SEC right now, and nobody can nobody can argue with that. Uh, go, uh, Mr. Tom, what was your take on Tennessee and Georgia? Well, I made a comment to uh, Rich. Uh, we were watching the game, and I said to him, man, this feels just like the Orange Bowl last year with my Michigan Wolverines. Um, Tennessee came in with all the momentum, uh, I think they had a lot of the fanfare, we'll say. Um, and Georgia just smacked them in the mouth. I was wrong. I, I thought Tennessee would run with them. I was clearly wrong. Um, ten you are or, wrong. Yeah, but you weren't. <laughs> Georgia Georgia has that knack to when, when it matters most, they can turn it on to a different level. And that's exactly what happened with Stetson Bennett. And 
they couldn't stop McIntosh, which opened up a lot of uh, plays downfield. Uh, Kirby Smart definitely opened the playbook uh, offensively, it looked like. There's a lot of lot of receivers wide open downfield, a lot of missed assignments. And um, I just feel like that was an experienced team at in that in that moment, and it showed. Um, nothing to take away from Tennessee. Uh, they definitely are still in the mix, but you know th- this was a big moment for them. Uh, number one in the polls, uh, the CFP, and and I maybe did they get a little complacent? Did they underestimate? what Georgia really is, because I don't think any of us really know, knew who Georgia was, especially after the Missouri game. But, um, I mean, Kirby Smart decided he knew, he learns how to coach football last year, and and it showed. And, and uh, it didn't help that it was a freaking monsoon down in Athens, which, which didn't help with uh, controlling the ball and, and whatnot. But no excuses. But, but Georgia – the game was probably over by the time it started. Probably, raining. probably. But Georgia just dominated at all facets. And um, maybe leaking uh, Stetson Bennett's phone number out on uh, social <laughs> media the night before said he got like seven or 800 calls. I might have added a little fuel to his fire after his first after his first touchdown. He gave the old call me sign. But, um, I mean, clearly Georgia's the best team in the country. And I think we said the same thing last year right around this time. So, we'll Randall, see. I I'm sorry, Tom. I didn't mean to interrupt. I got a quick question for you. This is college football to me. Georgia was last in the SEC with 10 sacks on the season. They had six sacks that day against a damn good offensive line, a great offensive line. What are your thoughts on that? Like, what is that just college football? Like, what do you think? You know, we've not talked about it. Tennessee had an equally number of pre-snap penalties as Alabama did. Uh, exactly. And when you get your offensive linemen back on their heels and they can't hear the count and they, yep. they get rattled, I mean, there's no doubt Alabama's offensive line is, is well is good. Um, to me, again, I go back. Georgia's, I, you know, I didn't like this spot, and I think the way you would have beat Alabama is to come in there and keep it quiet, keep the focus off of yourself. And, and I think you're right, Rod. We, you know, you kind of. You, you needled the sleeping bear, and that's not what you want to do in this situation. I by no means believe Tennessee could beat Georgia twice in a year. I do believe Georgia could beat Tennessee twice in a year, but I do like our chances better if we get into the playoffs and see them outside the state of Georgia. Uh, I feel sorry for whoever gets them the first round and has to go to Atlanta and play them in the Peach Bowl in a circa home field matchup. So I Rods, they were they are the more talented team. They are at this point the better team. I don't necessarily know that they're the better coach, but I think the results are different away from Athens. I'll put it that way with the offensive line. Uh that offensive line was wait, did you say you don't know if they're the most more better coach team? Yeah. I, I love Hypel, but Kirby's got it rolling. <laughs> yeah, five-star athletes like everywhere on the field too. That's, yeah. that's part of coaching, though. I mean, what's yeah. Tennessee is like SC and others. Like you can get, you still have to coach them. Tennessee's right? the last up until here. now. Well, they are, but yeah. Oh, I mean that I sounds get, like an excuse. It, it's not. 
we 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 rolled out our football with our forty six guys and we played hard. Georgia played out their forty guys that played. They played hard. I I, I love our coaching staff. I love what we do. I do too. I do too. But I, yeah, I, well, and it, it it's a difference between a veteran that's been there a while and has laid that culture and base and and foundation within his program, okay. and he has the athletics. That mean Nick Saban should beat Kirby Smart because he's been there 15 years. All I'm saying is they're both great coaches. That's all. Well, I'm Nick Saban is better than Kirby Smart. Well, <laughs> he is. Just he you know, this year he's Kirby. I mean, the athletes are phenomenal in his game planning. Uh, you know, to Robbie's point, he learned from Alabama on that, and that's that's smart coaching. And you know, I was on y'all side. I, I thought Tennessee could run with them. You know, their offense, how fast they could score. You know, I thought if they even got down 14, it wasn't over. Um, they could score quickly, but it was just the, this methodical dominance on the offensive line side or defensive line side for Georgia that just wore Tennessee down uh, on top of the penalty. So, it, unfortunately, um, didn't go y'all's way. And it, it I did. lost some money. <laughs> but, uh, again – you know, let's just go like the Missouri game, like, like Tom's point. You know, we were like, "What? What is this?" You know, Missouri is not that great of a team, and and they struggled against them. But goes to show in college, I mean, a really good team can have a bad day against a bad team, and you know, still show up when the, the big game matters. I want to when they want to play, they play. But Randall, to your point, if they play in the first round in Atlanta. Knowing it's, that, you know, they're going to play in the championship, they could fall asleep. When they, they want to play, they uh, play. I, I, I agree with Randall, though. Look, there were some matchups that Tennessee had, and they just and didn't get in and being third and, or first and 15. In a neutral field, there's some matchups that they could have. I, I do not think it's a gimme Georgia wins again. That crowd noise was a factor. I mean, how many uh, false start penalties were there? Uh, those, those, those and wide receivers mm-hmm. wide open, and and, and, and everyone, the, the quarterback, the receivers, the co- everyone admitted, like, look, we couldn't hear. We just, which, and and, it, and I don't know if the 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 Randall, you may know more than I do. Once they sh- they shake shook up the schedule with Georgia, it used to be in October, now they're November. I don't remember us having Florida. Alabama, Kentucky all at home, and then Georgia on the road. I thought there was some kind of a little bit more balance from that, but maybe I'm wrong. Always been Georgia, South Carolina at home. That's supposed – you know, South Carolina is supposed to be the other power in the East. So, yeah. it was all Georgia, it's, South Carolina. All, all of Tennessee's game, well, besides – the, and we'll get to this LSU game later when the, we talk about the rankings. But that was a road win, but it was a non-factor. Tennessee got on, and it was just shut the crowd up. This was our first true road game, and it showed. Yeah, yeah well, we had played at Pitt, and but that wasn't oh, near, yeah. near, as, near as loud. Uh, I will say one more thing. We'll leave Tennessee alone. I think it does matter that we lost this game by 14. In the perception is reality for the, for, for the CFP. I think bigger than – most Tennessee fans will say, I'm okay with LSU beating Alabama, and our signature win now is 27 points in Baton Rouge. Mm. That is a huge plus in the CFP's 
opinion, in my opinion, for the CFP to go. Who is the highest ranked team they built beat? They beat LSU, who's ranked number seven on the road by 27 points. Oh, yeah. uh, their biggest win of the year. It was Alabama by three at home. I think mm-hmm. the LSU win now looms bigger in the committee's mind yeah. than the Alabama win did uh, at home. So mm-hmm. uh, let's move on down. Uh, Ohio State and Michigan. I want to. I want to. I want to hit on both of them. I just want to talk about it as in general. And we'll start with Tom. It it was a struggle, buddy. Slutty struggle for for the Big Ten teams. And Brandon, I'll, I'll let you take all the time you want. But it was not pretty. Uh, and um, the worst effort C.J. Stroud has ever put together as a football player. Um, it. The only thing that probably keeps Hendon Hooker in the Heisman conversation is the 96 yards that C.J. Stroud put up Mm -hmm. this week. What was the factor in the Big Ten struggles? Or was it just, again, playing on the road, playing outside your comfort zone? Well, I'll start with Ohio State. Um, What they had to play in were conditions that I don't think – Georgia could have played well in um, you're talking 35 to 40 mile consistent wins uh, at your face, half the game uh, driving rain. It was cold. Um, so I, I think you can put an asterisk on uh, CJ Stroud for that game. Although if there's one thing I've noticed with Stroud and now mind you, I came in this year thinking he probably was the best best player in, in college football. I question his heart. I, cause I look at him on the sidelines and I just, I, he, he shows no emotions. Now I think that's a good thing with certain players. I think Bryce young shows that, but I also see Bryce young doing things that shows that he's a leader. I don't know if CJ Stroud's right there. I don't know if that's what he is, if that's the kind of player he is, but, um, Make no mistake, he's he's a phenomenal quarterback, and you'll see him bounce back tenfold this week. But that that that's a tough condition to to, to play in. And you know, as bad as Northwestern what you know has been this year, except for playing out of the country, um, he had those guys ready to play, and they they were giving it their all. They have no offense. Northwestern has no offense whatsoever. So if they had any semblance, they they might have pulled off that game. Uh, and then you flip over to Piscataway, New Jersey, and the problem Michigan has, I'm still convinced Jim Harbaugh's calling plays. And, and I think that's hurting the football team. Um, they're about the most predictable team in, in all of college football. I can sit there and be like, oh, here comes a run up the middle. Oh, here comes a run up the middle. Oh, here comes a run up the middle. Oh, here comes a bubble screen. I mean, it's Lloyd Carr, Ben Bo Buckler football. And then they decide to turn it up in the second half. And you saw how explosive they can be on both sides of the ball. Hey, if not for that defense, Rutgers is in that game. Uh, The Michigan defense kind of sucked all the air out of the room at the start of that second half. I was sitting here in the speakeasy like, what in the heck's going on? Like, I'm so tired of watching four plays at the goal line. Boom, boom, boom. And they had to go for it on fourth down. They barely, they almost got J.J. McCarthy's head cut off uh, stretching in. But (laughs) it's a huge issue. And are they, you know, still handcuffing J.J. McCarthy? Do they not trust him? I think this is a quarterback that has all the tools to be 
a Heisman type quarterback in, in, in the country, in the country, excuse me, but they're not letting him, in my opinion, show his true talents. Um, you have the best running back in the country in Blake Corum, who is in the mix and should be in New York come Heisman uh, weekend. And then you have Donovan Edwards, who's he's one a, so you have the tools, give them his weapons. They have to play. They, the third quarter was probably the best quarter they played uh, all year, uh, both offensively and defensively. And they, and if they want to keep moving up the polls, if they want to go into Columbus and um, maybe pull this thing out, they got to let JJ do his thing, and they got to let him do what the Bears let uh, Justin Fields do did last week. Let him run the ball. The guy's got skills with his legs. They need to let him play the game that he's no knows and capable of doing. And if they don't do that, I, I dread the last Saturday of the month, but turn him loose. Turn that absolutely. kid loose, man. It's, let him it, play. He, he's got eight or nine starts under his belt. Now he's proven he's, he's the man he's, he would have earned the job regardless and uh, just let him go. And I, I it, it baffles me it, as, as Harbaugh does, all the time for me, as everyone knows, I am not a fan, and we won't get into why I even hate him even more of the stunt he pulled up here in Michigan on the radio and TV airways the other day. But that's a whole nother podcast. But he just—I <laughs> stretch my head watching this guy coach as he's got a mouthful of chaw, he's got his hands on his knees with a dumb look on his face, like I just crap my pants, and he drives me crazy. Tacky's going. Can't that is the coach and khakis today. Is one thing that uh, opposites can agree on is, is your coach for sure. No, uh, yeah, he's not a, very likable. He's he's got the, coaches around him that make him look good. Oh, for sure. My opinion. For sure. Um, okay, we'll start with uh, Ohio State. Yes, conditions were terrible to play in. Um, our best weapon, obviously, is CJ Stroud's arm and our you know, trio of wide receivers that we have. Uh, that being said, offensive line looked terrible. Absolutely terrible. We could not run the ball to save our life. And in a game like that, you've got to be able to run the ball. Um, I don't know. There wasn't a whole lot of Travion Henderson. It was mine, Williams, you know, getting tackled for loss after tackled for loss. Yeah. Hunt. I mean, it, and, you know, he's supposed to be the power back. Henderson is the, the shifty one. And I don't know what happened with the play calling on that and why he was in the game so much we didn't switch it up. But, um, again, that is that is something they definitely have to learn from this game. And I hope they're watching film right now uh, and figuring something out with the offensive line because that, that was atrocious. Uh, I mean, we couldn't even throw bubble screens. Uh, I mean, we, he was getting so much pressure. That being what said, was, what I was going to ask, dude, Northwestern's not exactly a – they're not a top 50 rushing defense. What the hell was happening? I thought no, your I, big I, backs would have gone nuts. I, yeah, I have no idea. Uh, it was it was atrocious. Offensive line play was, was awful. They were missing blocks. Uh, I mean, trying to double-team someone, leaving two people free. Uh, it was just—I don't even get started on that. But um, to Tom's point on Stroud, 
So, yeah, in the first half, you can tell the frustration. You know, he doesn't show very much emotion. Sometimes it looks like he doesn't care, but this kid was frustrated. I mean, all, all he's known is throwing the ball, uh, you know, being able to hit one of those receivers 20, 30 yards down the field and making first downs, no problem. But come second half, he, he did show heart with his legs. I mean, before this game, he had negative four rushing yards. He had 79 rushing yards in this game. Yep. So, I mean, he, he was sticking it out there. He, he realized, okay, Nothing I've got to do something here because my running backs can't run the ball. I can't throw the ball. We've got to do something. Uh, so he, he started scrambling a little bit, which is not who this guy is. I mean, this is somewhat Tom Brady-esque or pocket passer, uh, does not scramble much. Uh, opposite of what Justin Fields was, you know, a couple years ago. So to watch that and watch him, you know, Gumby his way down the field uh, <laughs> and try to make a first down, I felt like he was giving some heart there um, in those well, he conditions. He put the team on his back in that fourth he quarter. Did. He did. He did. So, uh, you know, there's some praise there. But, again, this was, this was a little scary um, to watch, and we're definitely exposed on what the weaknesses are. Uh, by by a bad team, um, and if a bad team can do this, regardless of the conditions, I mean, if you you can't establish a run, you knew what the conditions were going to be. I mean, you got to have a game plan for that. So that's that's uh, something they got to fix. Um, but yeah, I'll leave it at that. And you know, as far as Michigan goes, yeah, it was a little it was a little slow start, a little scary, but. That's the thing with Michigan. I think I think Michigan's got a lot lower or higher floor than Ohio State right now. Um, well said. I, well said. I, I really think they do, and you know, I think we're, we've got a higher upside than Michigan um, in the right setting. Obviously, if the weather's good, uh, but <laughs> um, I really think. I, at this point, you know, the floor for Michigan, you know what you're going to get with Michigan, just like he said. I mean, we all know they're going to run the ball well, uh, and they're going to establish that that dominance in the front. And and you'll get that out of Michigan. That That's their their floor. Uh, Ohio State is scary right now. Um, I don't know how low the floor is. I hope to God that was it and they fix it. But uh, – yeah, so we'll we'll get to the rankings and stuff later, but um, not a not a great showing for the Big Ten this weekend. <laughs> and Illinois, Illinois gets beat at home Illinois gets the, beat. the Fighting uh, uh, Tucks. I mean, come on, kudos Maryland. to kudos to Mel Tucker for hey. putting that team together and getting them ready yeah. to play. They fought their butts off. So I'll give we talked about Georgia and Missouri earlier. Look what Georgia did last week against the number one team in the country. Northwestern at least had a weather excuse. Or Michigan or Ohio State, sorry. Right. You know what I mean. Everybody's yeah, going to yeah. have an off game. Sure. That was more off than most, though. That's for damn. It was. You know, they're yeah. 38 point favorites and coming in, it's just, I think it was a game they weren't overlooking. They weren't excited to play because of the conditions. And I don't know, but they got to get their shit together. I will say this. That to me, this is a little more than just a weather game. Um, 
look, the leading quarterback threw for 79 yards, and it wasn't C.J. Stroud. And he was 10 for 26 versus Sullivan 10 for 14. That's play call, and that's game. Like, if the wind's blowing, then don't go deep. Don't don't try, like. I don't know. There's something off about this Ohio State team to me right now. Now, not so the they offensive can't get line. A lot of highlights. Yeah, they not, were looking for you're right. Picks, a lot of highlights. But right yeah. now, um, I we'll get the ring. I don't think they're necessarily number two. I'm not sure who it is, but um, yeah. I mean, this was a desperation win against a team that's. What one and eight? One um, eight now, you know. Regardless mm-hmm. of what talent alone should should roll I, through this team, and they did. The 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 bar is had set so high at Ohio State. I, I don't think well, any yeah. of us are used to seeing struggles from uh you know a Ryan Day uh, coach team. So I mean it's it's different territory for for Ohio State fans, and and, mm-hmm. and you know I can speak for for my knowledge. My dad's a Buckeye, and uh, I can only imagine. He don't have any fingernails left after the, at last week's game, so um, I'm sure he's uh, he rolled a, a hole in the in the carpet walking back and forth. But I think it just boils down to they're they're you know yearly year after year they're just such a good high profile uh, program that you don't expect to see hiccups. Well, and yeah. you look at previous issues like that where we struggled on the offensive line, we're able to match that well with the play scheme and play calling when we can throw the ball well and quick and we're not worried about weather. I'm not using that as an excuse. The offensive line is terrible. But sometimes we can hide our deficiencies. Yeah. Um, but yeah. With my, my point would be both teams played in the same weather. Sullivan sure. was 10 for 14. Stroud was 10 for 26. That, mm-hmm. that That's a big completion percentage gap. All right, guys. I agree. Roger, Roger, you're Robbie. Got anything on the Big Ten? Because I want to move on. I'm ready for the playoff rankings. All right. I quickly want to go through. I want. I want to spend some time on the Pac-12, but uh, quickly from just everybody's opinion. TCU sits at four. The next two weeks playing at Austin and at Waco. Start with the bottom with Rod. You expect TCU to pull these games? Do you expect TCU to be undefeated in two weeks? No. I think it's going to be akin to Clemson at Notre Dame. You're going to the big boy, the the program, the Texas Longhorns in the Big 12. This is their season in a sense. They don't like anybody stealing their spotlight. That's it at Texas. Um, I think it all comes tumbling down, and I think they lose by more than – I think double figures, actually. Um, you know, they've been playing with fire for quite a while. If Quentin Johnson, their amazing receiver, who's easily the best player on that team, doesn't play, they're going to lose. Brandon. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there's seven-point dogs coming into this game. And it is, it's not pretty for them right now. Uh, I think that's kind of one of those committee moves. Like, hey, I think they – for seen this possibly happening them losing but it's like hey we you know we did our due diligence we threw you in there um and just like you know previous weeks we've seen the committee gets it wrong again robbie or you any opinion um yeah well i don't think 
uh, TCU makes it both weeks unscathed. I think they do lose this weekend, and they may lose back to back at Baylor's. Mm-hmm. No joke either. So um, TCU's good. They're they're good, but man, they've been playing with house money for a long time. And they've been gambling, and it's going to catch up. They almost lost to Texas Tech on the road, and how they yeah we'll get into that. All right, Tom. Any other? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it, right now it's it. They're where they belong. They're undefeated. They've beat uh, some good teams. Uh, they're you know being undefeated. They deserve it. So right now, yeah, two weeks, absolutely not. I think this is Texas's week to really get back on the map. Uh, Quinn Ewers, uh, aka the Mullet, is gonna have a huge game. This this is games at Texas, seven thirty. Uh, Primetime game of the week. Uh, I'm sure well, – I don't know where game day is going to be, but if game day was there, this is a hyped game. And, um, you know, I just I, – I, I see a lot like Tennessee going into Georgia, uh, you know, a game like that. So – and then Dave Aranda, I, I think he's a good coach, and, and he seems to show up at end of the seasons sometimes. And and that's a, that's a game for disaster for Texas Tech. So right now it's cute. They belong at four in two weeks. No, you're going to, you know, this is probably the best scenario for Tennessee fans having, having uh, Texas uh, TCU, the old corn frogs having to go to that uh, gauntlet in Texas for the next two weeks. All right. I, I, I want to go to the Pac-12, Raj. Here, here, I've said all week, I do not think Oregon can pass Tennessee in the college football playoff. And I still believe that Oregon <laughs> Tennessee's above them. Here's the case I want to make, and I am – Rogers a USC fan, so I'm going to make it to a USC fan. USC would finish with two very highly ranked opponents and a big – a Pac-12 championship game, which I suppose would be against Oregon. In all likelihood, yes. So you're talking about USC closing with Notre Dame, UCLA and Oregon, if they went out with their loss being on the road at Utah, are they more dangerous to move up in the college football playoff than Oregon? I say yes. Uh, 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 Wait, wait, wait. Can I I just stop you right there, Randall? In these scenarios you're about to lay out, Tennessee is not the target. It's the loser of Ohio State and Michigan. Tennessee it's the has a four better, seed, in my opinion. Well, no, but yeah, but Tennessee has a better resume than the loser of Ohio State, and Michigan. Tennessee's going to go to three. It's going to be the loser well, of Ohio yeah, State, the loser it's of playing, Ohio State, Michigan's out. I mean, they're I very seriously doubt with everything going on this year. It's playing for that four seed, and really at this point, it looks like it would be because you said it perfectly. SC has that opportunity, and I said there's the Pac-12 could get in. There's no doubt about it. SC plays those three highly ranked teams. A lot of injuries. Are they good enough to do it? No, I don't think so. They're going to drop one of those games. Um, the Ducks have Utah, Washington, and then the Pac-12 championship game, all ranked teams. Uh, UCLA also has USC, the Pac-12 championship game, two more top teams. So those three teams, if they went out, could get that fourth seed. It'll come down to LSU and at this point, because Ohio State and Michigan, I believe the loser is going to drop. It, this is all under the presumption that Georgia wins out 
Ohio State, Michigan's two. I think and, Tennessee is three. They're not going to lose a game again. If they're, they're not going to lose Missouri. They're not going to lose to South Carolina. We've said it before. They're staying out of a potential loss in the SEC championship game. So these two teams, three teams, and LSU are playing for that fourth seed. If LSU with two losses, somehow, you know, they got Arkansas, UAB, and Texas A&M at A&M. So probably not going to lose. But if, if they beat Georgia, then two-loss SEC championship will probably get in over any of those Pac-12 one-loss teams. But so really, the that's what they're all playing for those four. So set the parameters. We're going Georgia one, Ohio, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan winner two, two Tennessee, Tennessee three. three. And then that's the what I believe. Spot. Okay. And the fourth okay. spot right. is what – this is presumption. TCU loses once. There you go. Oregon right. – uh, Bama's behind them. Clemson, not going to happen. So, again, Oregon, UCLA, and USC all have one loss at this point. If they all win out, they're all playing uh, top 10 teams. Some like USC. Notre Dame will probably be top 10 by that point. They're going to win out just because of the other teams ahead of them and who's going to lose. I looked at it all. You know, K-State, blah, blah, blah. These teams are going to lose. Notre Dame's going to move up. So those three teams, in my opinion, are playing for four with one, two, and three, unless everybody's not very impressive and they each beat each other, One and Ohio State-Michigan goes to overtime, and one of those teams goes from, like, let's say Ohio State goes to four, Michigan moves up. So that's really the way I see things shaking out. And, and all I got it. Of TCU losing, because yes. if you don't lose, their undefeated TCU is two or is three. So yes. I got a hi- hypothetical the- for you guys too. Um, so let's say LSU beats Georgia in the SEC championship. All right, they're a two-loss team. They just yep. won the SEC championship. Georgia becomes a one-loss team. So now you got Georgia, Tennessee. Let's say Oregon wins out, a one-loss team, and let's say TCU wins out. Now what the hell do you do? Tennessee. Well, no, Tennessee beat LSU in like, like by a million, but still, it's it's what have you done? For I know, me but what have I you done Tennessee, lately? When Tennessee do you lose? Get phased out. They just beat if if LSU just beats Georgia, who just beat the crap out of Tennessee. Like, uh-huh. well, no, that, was, that was an eleven a.m. game. They loss, weren't playing well. A, yeah, two loss teams. I think Tennessee would be was to the team that beat you. Um, but that, then no, they that's beat, not how we start making excuses, man. That's what I'm saying. Now, like, yeah, if what they beat the Georgia, do? who beat yeah, Tennessee but, uh, up. So, but, but then you get neutral field I versus have no idea. home fields. This so is that, why that, you that, need more than four. Well, no, this, this, this is a nightmare. Exactly. That's a nightmare scenario for the committee because then you're talking about possibly three SEC teams and the Big Ten winner. And you're going to say, yeah, sorry, guys. Um, no. There's no chance that you get three and SEC teams in. You I, can't. That, that is a chance you do. Georgia, I, Tennessee. I mean, I see, I see the path, but. Georgia, Tennessee probably could have been a 40 to 13 type game. That's what it felt like. It's but kind of funny that was. LSU didn't get junk points. And right. maybe Tennessee kind of did. You know what I mean? Like, And also, LSU yeah, was if LSU, even though Tennessee's team. way better. Yeah, they are. Right. And that was an 11 a.m. game. We start making excuses. On paper, no. There's no way if Tennessee beats them 40 to 13 at their house. No, but I think Randall said it as well. Like, and we all think that there's a strong case for them 
based on how they're playing now, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's sad, but true. I mean, I, Rob, you're in denial if you don't think that's a distinct possibility if they beat Georgia. But Kerry, well, no, 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 I'm saying there, there's a possibility for three SEC teams then. Oh, agreed. I could see, I could see but, LSU leapfrogging Tennessee because they just beat Georgia, and they, then the committee taking Georgia. Well, but but he said TCU's. TCU's not going to drop if they don't lose. Yes, yeah, so I'm saying TCU's. That's what he said. TCU runs. But, no, the table. but think about the all and Oregon. So, so if that's Tennessee beating LSU on their home field makes them beat, makes LSU jump Tennessee. Well, then. Georgia being Tennessee, can't they jump Georgia? Like that's where you get into this circular logic, and it doesn't make any sense. That's what Agreed. I'm saying. But it's the SEC championship, and it happened. That's just why now. I asked this hypothetical because yeah. it's yeah. No, 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 chaos. That's the nightmare. <laughs> that's chaos. That's the nightmare. That is chaos. And, and you've got to consider Oregon, who's got a one loss to Georgia. If they I'm went gonna, out, I'm what go have you done? That was week one. Everybody, to finish words. I mean, there's uh, so much going on there. Oregon, so, so, so Oregon is stuck behind Tennessee, in my opinion, because no, I, I agree, but I'm just saying, like, what if all this happened? Like, everyone's got a valid. Case. I don't think they're stuck because Tennessee got beat by Georgia handily. Obviously, Oregon did too. That's the first game of the year. Yeah. If Oregon wins against Utah and a, conference a championships team, are a big and then deal. they win and they beat, let's say USC or UCLA is undefeated. Yeah. At like seven in the country, and then they win that game, they jump okay. Tennessee, in my opinion. They and absolutely do. But well, because uh, the problem is, it's and politics. Opponent. That's the problem. I love it. Sorry, Randall, I created chaos. I was doing so, that. So stop the chaos. I'm going to tell you something that that subs <laughs> it up. If t- if the Alabama doesn't lose at UCLA this weekend, they're ahead of Tennessee in the poll. So. Even head-to-head, Tennessee had beat Alabama. TCU was behind Alabama. TCU passed Tennessee. I also believe Alabama would have passed Tennessee. So, you know. uh, If they beat LSU. Yes, they would have passed. Tennessee already beat LSU also. No, No, he's saying if Alabama had won, they would have passed Tennessee. TCU would have passed Tennessee. Basically, would, Tennessee's hold is tenuous, oh, is what he's saying. No, and a lot of these no. teams are going to get boosts from late championship games. And conference wait, championships wait, matter. Wait, so you're saying if Alabama beat LSU, Alabama would have beat past Tennessee? Where was TCU last week? Eight. Seven, seven, seven or eight? Yeah. Seven. Yeah, but, uh, seven. They but, were seven. No, no. Tennessee, seven. Tennessee just beat Alabama. Like, I, no, they wouldn't have passed them. So. TCU passed them, who was behind Alabama. So you really, really got to think that Alabama. But they're undefeated. Alabama yeah, yeah. No, 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 this is just the committee just trying. No, no, no. They're, they're, no and Robbie, no it's way. not like Tennessee hammered them. They got a lot of things to go their way, including and penalties, penalties, penalties. Yeah. field goal. So it, it doesn't matter though. You can't just ignore the the results. We the understand what you're up. saying, but the committee but and the morons that I vote. Mean, it's, yeah, they're not going to go as just you like, only losing to Georgia by 14 all right, points. All right. I mean, it's not black letter law. It's the point. Closing words on the playoffs. Give me your lap. It is the last. It's the last week. Everything is wrapped up. Give me who is in the playoffs and where they are playing. The number one seed will play closest to home. 
that would mean Georgia and Atlanta if they hold the number one seed. The other semifinals is in Glendale, and I believe the finals are in L.A. So where is your what is your matchups and where are they playing? And I'll go first. I don't think I don't think the committee wants Tennessee Georgia rematched in Atlanta. I think that would be horrible. I think they would like a Pac-10. I'm the winner of the Pac-10. But they don't want Oregon there. In Atlanta, as long as they're undefeated from this point on. But that's the first game of the year, right? Like, they don't want to see that again. Yeah, Oregon screwed this all up by playing Georgia this year. I I don't think Oregon (laughs) – I don't think Oregon – I actually think USC is going to get there. I'm going against the USC guy. So, I think the first game ends up being USC, Georgia, in Atlanta. Tennessee plays the winner of Ohio State, Michigan, in Glendale. That's my final. That's my semifinals as today. And we'll take our ass whooping like a man. Um, You know, it's crazy because the way you just put it, I thought Oregon would be up there. But, yeah, I mean, Oregon – and Georgia in Atlanta would be the exact replay of the first game. <laughs> Just like – and, and I mean, I think Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan winner. At this point, I'd have to say Ohio State. But you never know. I mean, if Michigan runs the ball the way that they run the ball, who's to say, you know, with their defense, that game is another contrasting styles game. It's going to be like Tennessee, Georgia. Um, and, and that time, the team with defense and running the ball won. So who knows? Uh, I'm going to say Tennessee, and at this point, even though it's it's ugh, it's political, I, I'd have to take the Pac-12 winner, which I think is going to be Oregon. It's going to be boring and ugly. SC's got a ton of talent. They're just not strong where they need to be in the trenches. They have a lot of injuries. They had one linebacker play this past week, an Alabama transfer from the opening day depth chart. Everybody else is hurt. But do they have the ability to score and beat UCLA, Notre Dame, and Oregon? Absolutely. Um, so I, I guess the same thing you said and insert a Pac-12 team here for fourth. All right, Brandon. I also think there's a case where if if the if if everyone falls off and they beat themselves in out west, that the loser of the Michigan Ohio State game could end up fourth. Yeah, if that's a close yeah. game, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with that. All right, that's- Brandon. Yeah, I mean, as long as Oregon can get by Utah this week, I think that's a that's a big turning point for the Pac-12. Um, if they do, let's say they come out clean, I do like, you know, obviously Georgia wins the SEC championship, Michigan Ohio State winner. Um, I, I do think Tennessee has a really valid case here if the chips fall right. Now, if, I, if it happens, the scenario I just gave, I mean, that's going to be total chaos, and I, I don't see Tennessee getting in um, over a conference championship, uh, even with only one loss. Um, I mean, there's there's so many differences here. It's a wreck of speculation. I'm going to go Ohio State just because it is in Ohio. Uh, I think – I think these guys are going to be pumped up and ready to go uh, against Michigan. So I'll go Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, and um, again, Oregon. Uh, I just I don't see TCU pulling it out this week. All right, Robbie. Uh, okay, so 
I think it's pretty clear. Let's say nothing. Well, let's just say it moves this way. I think in Phoenix, it's Ohio State versus Tennessee. You got Georgia, the host team in Atlanta, and this is where it gets crazy. Um, because the committee doesn't want to rematch. That's why Tennessee is going to be at three. Um, could be Oregon, could be the Big Twelve championship champion of his TCU with one loss, or man, look at Clemson sitting there. As a conference champion, if Oregon and USC lose, God, no chance. They, they, they jump their way Are you up. Kidding? No, I, I'm serious because they, they don't they try don't to want, think too far outside the box. That is no, they don't want to know Georgia. Look, Georgia, they just played this hey, Georgia, Oregon. What about North yeah, Carolina? Week one. Oregon, yeah, is North, North Carolina. No, I'm, I'm, North Carolina only lost Notre team. Dame. Well, no, so is Georgia, though. Like, I heard this on the radio today. Like, oh, I agree. Well, Oregon improves throughout the year. Well, so does Georgia. So, Georgia, like, every team improves throughout the no, year. No, I so, agree. But, but I think no, it would be an interesting matchup. I, I, I agree, but don't count out Clemson sitting there if God, don't even Oregon and so USC lose. Okay, so here's, here's, here's my – I think they a hard time to fit someone with Here's Georgia my theory on – Old Miss could get in on your theory. If they're if they're, you know, combating these rematches, then I think you if it's a close game, I think you see the uh, Ohio State and Michigan both make it. Then you have two SEC teams, two Big Ten teams, and we'll take our ball and go home. Screw everybody else. What if Ole Miss wins out? They beat Bama and Georgia. Well, no. What if you, uh, LSU's what if North Carolina lose. wins out? Now, LSU's got to lose to get Ole Miss in the championship game. Oh, mm-hmm. my bad. And they, they ain't losing any more games. But North Carolina could. Their only loss would be to highly ranked Notre Dame. They'd be, play Wake still, uh, Clemson, I, I, I believe, in their championship game. They could sneak in. I'm going to go ahead and say there's not going to be an ACC team in the playoffs. I'll go ahead and stand on that one. Yeah, the Pac-12's got an interesting finish, though. They they, they do, they, they really can, do. They can eliminate themselves, yeah, or set themselves apart, one or the other. Yeah, yeah Oregon's got Washington ranked, Utah ranked, Oregon State at Oregon State, which was ranked last week. They have NFL DBs. Don't kid yourself. They have great DBs, and then they face whoever's in second. At this point, probably USC or UCLA, the winner of that game. Um, there's a lot going on there. All right, What's that? Bo Nix is going to Bo Nix before the year is over. I, I believe that fully. That's the reason <laughs> I like USC. All right, Tom, what's yours? Well, I'm going to take you guys back to the year of 2006, if you remember. It was a classic play down at the old toilet bowl that they call uh, Ohio Stadium. Uh, <laughs> probably one of the one of the best college football games. I know I've ever seen. Um, they called it the game of the century. Uh, Michigan number two, Ohio State ranked number one. Uh, just it, this game was unbelievable. Uh, Michigan makes a valiant comeback to the end. Uh, Ohio State squeaks it out. Uh, they lose by three points. And 
there was a lot of speculation that since that game was the way it was, that Michigan would not lose any ground. Well, that didn't happen. Uh, and I'm going. This was the beginning of the Big Ten losing all the SEC schools, right? Moving on. Uh, <laughs> I am recklessly. Hey, we beat Alabama. All right. I am recklessly speculating on this final ranking here. We all know Georgia's not going to lose a game. Slate them in for number one. Uh, I think that football games are won and lost in the trenches. Michigan has probably a top two, maybe three offensive lines in the country. They have the best backfield in the country. Um, I, I think that game comes down to that. Who can run the ball? Who can make a stop when it needs to be made? I think Michigan has the ability to make that stop. I'd like Michigan to go down to Columbus and win uh, by a field goal, maybe a missed extra point attempt that, that Michigan will take take advantage of. Who knows? It's going to be within three, and I think this is classic enough to make the loser of that game only drop two slots to number four. And I like if Oregon wins out, I like their resume if they can win out being their only loss to the the resounding number one team in the country, I think they benefit from that. So give me Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, Ohio State. And here's the thing. Why, here's where I, I don't see the committee saying we want a Michigan-Georgia uh, rematch in the first round of a potential playoff. That's why I think the others are positioned the way they are. Um, recklessly speculating. That's the name of like the it. show. Um, so, so you have Tennessee out. I got Tennessee out. And here's why. Here's why. In college football, it's all about when you lose, in my opinion. And how you lose. How you lose. Tennessee losing it, it double digits. I, at whatever the situation is, I don't think that bodes well for them. If Michigan and Ohio State, it comes down to the wire where there's a less than a uh, three point uh, game, I don't think you can keep them out because obviously they're they're two of the top four teams. But in the you country. have Oregon in, right? Because Oregon's going to win out. But and they're going to forty six. They're going to benefit because they're going to play in the Pac twelve championship game. That and here's the Notre Dame effect. Notre Dame never plays in the championship game. I don't think they're going to get into a top four position because of that. I think Oregon benefits for losing in week one to Georgia and winning the Pac-12 championship game when Tennessee's idle. I think they benefit from that. I could be wrong. I wouldn't bet my nuts on it, but <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's time for college football to get it right. And if Michigan-Ohio State is a classic, and why I bring up 2006, because that was one of the best college football games played, if we have another 2006 yeah. game, Ohio you can't State keep – boat race by Florida. Doesn't matter. Game. Doesn't matter. If you have a game it's a like TV that – TV show. Of course it matters. You, have, you can't keep either one of those teams out, in my opinion. My reckless, speculatory okay. opinion. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. 
Robbie, I'm surprised by your strict interpretation of scores. He's done his lawyer's like black letter right law. Kind of, so, so, there's there's storylines in play. Always storylines. So, 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 Tom, let's say, let's say Michigan loses by seven at Ohio State, right? Then they're out. They're out. I think they're out. This game has but, to. It has let's say to they be, beat. Let's say they beat Ohio State in overtime in a classic. And Ohio State is at two right now, so they're not going to fall. Obviously, it's further to fall than Michigan. So would they get in Ohio State in that game if they let's say lost it in overtime by some fluke thing, whatever, by three mm-hmm. points? No, they no, go from two, they, no, and they drop to four. Is what they're saying. That's possible. a real possibility. No, no, no. I think no, it's possible. Because Michigan has no good. Absolutely. Wins. Well, they would but, be but beating Ohio State, is what we're saying. Yeah. Well, it's then Ohio timing State is either. And, it, and this is all based on the way they win. If Michigan goes in there and and you know curbs down to Ohio State or vice versa, Ohio State does it to Michigan, then there's no question here. Yeah, I think this is a classic in the making. I don't think there's any way one team's going to blow out the other. I just don't. I think I don't these either. two teams are built for this game, November 26th. Yeah, and but... if if we have another classic, it, it would be it, it would be wrong of for college football to not keep one of those teams in. But and Michigan's not going to drop more. Michigan's going to drop more than one at three. Ohio State, however. Having the good fortune of being number two, no, if you lose right. at home, greater chance no, no, if they no, lose at home in a great game. They lose at home, they're dropping out. But if it's a crazy overtime three point game, Loses and both out. teams, I mean, they could go from two to four. That's foresee. I mean, and that's reasonable. There's no doubt about that. I'm going to tell you my greatest mm-hmm. hope for Tennessee. We've been in four of the five highest rated football games this year. That's that just does it for us. No, if Tennessee wins the. Wins out, they're getting in. All right, guys, we got to go to bet your nuts. Um, great. This is exactly why I wanted this segment. It was great. All right, anybody, I got to bet your nuts that comes with facts for a week once. Josh Heupel, I'm going with the balls as my bet your nuts. Josh Heupel has lost football games and been held under 17 points twice. The next week, Tennessee scored plus 50 points in both games. Give me Tennessee laying 20 to Missouri. Give me Tennessee and over. I think Tennessee rolls, scores into the 50s, and covers 20 points, which is down one point from the opening. So give me the balls to lay the 20. Who's next? I'll go, go Mike. Go I was going to say, Mike, quickly, quickly. Uh, North Carolina, number 15 in the poll in the rankings, is a three-and-a-half-point dog at Wake Forest, three-loss Wake Forest, two-and-three in the ACC. Give me North Carolina getting three-and-a-half, and Drake May, who's right now in the, easily in the New York, in the Heisman conversation. Yeah, I think he's three or four right now. A lot of numbers. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm going to bring it back home in the NFL. Uh, give me the Titans this week. Minus two and a half against the third to last ranked offense, uh, the Denver Broncos, and whatever the hell Russell Wilson is trying to do over there. I Broncos mean, this 
offense is atrocious. Like, they are so bad. I think even if Tannehill – I think Tannehill's going to play this game. But even if he didn't, I think Malik Willis could beat him. I mean, you saw what we did with the Chiefs last week uh, with the run game and just how outstanding our defense played. Now, don't get me wrong. Broncos has a great defense as well. Um, ours is a little better, uh, especially as of late, the last few games. So, give me Titans. Bet your nuts. Two and a half is, is a gift. The game's like 37 points, too. <laughs> All right, Robbie. I'll probably take uh, yes, down. We're at that time of the year where uh, we have to kind of speculate on what the lines are going to be for college basketball. Um, I was at the game Monday for the balls, ranked number 11th, but ranked fourth in Ken Palm. I'm a believer in Ken Palm. So, top five ranked team. Um, we are playing at Colorado in Nashville on Sunday. Um, this is a perimeter team, shot like 43s, didn't shoot well at, at the game the other night, but they're going to shoot a lot. They're going to score a lot. Um, we overwhelm Colorado. I suspect the line's going to be around 14 or 15. I will take the balls, the basketballs, um, to cover whatever the spread is, and um, we're going to get this season rolling on Sunday versus Colorado. Uh, Tyreek Key, Key has not found a shot that he don't like on the court. At no, he, he's great, and the line they they can put line they can put small ball down. They got uh, the Conwall back and Euros. They can do big. It, it's a, it's an impressive group. Defense is awesome. Well, and that's that's y'all's mo, especially last year. I mean, you guys just fire the three. If you're shooting well, you beat the crap out of the team. Play. Yeah, live and die. If not, it's <laughs> It's a tough day in the office. All right, Tom. Uh, we're going to give the Lions minus or what? We're going to go to Oxford, Mississippi. Ooh, I like and, this. And I got to tell you, I think good old Nick Saban and those Alabama boys have been exposed. I think Lane Kiffin is sitting there. Oh, that's my chance. My is, wait, wait, wait. Is is this reckless speculation or is this a fine bomb caller? Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. I like <laughs> the Rebels plus 12. I think that number is absolutely absurd. At right. home, at home, against a team that we don't know what they are. Um, very rattled. Two-loss Alabama team. Uh, Swiss cheese defense, a, a, a running game that just hasn't been there. And and, and a team that if, if Bryce Young is not uh, getting open looks, if he's running for his life, it, it, he can't carry that team all the time. So give me the Rebels plus 12 to win the game. Not only cover, they're going to win that game. Uh, I, like, I like the 64 and a half. I think that's about right. I think it'll be somewhere in the 60 to 63 range. Uh, and then I'm going to do a bonus nut, okay? little cornbread, little Honolulu blue and uh, silver Kool-Aid. Getting, getting aggressive on it. It's been a long time since I had a bonus nut. Dateline, <laughs> Chicago, Illinois. The fighting uh, kneecap biters are going into uh, whatever you call Soldier Field anymore. 
Uh, they've got Chicago sitting at a point and a half favorite. Detroit just fired their defensive backs coach uh, two weeks ago. And lo and behold, they come out and they have a game of their life against their nemesis, Aaron uh, Rodgers, who's on the Hashemaganda or whatever he's he's drinking these days. And he's been horrible ever since he started uh, uh, ingesting that potion, we'll call it. Um, I think J- uh, Justin Fields had a they had the game of his season last last week, 178 yards on the ground. I don't think he does it again. I think Aiden Hutchinson's looking at a little bit of a, a possible uh, uh, revenge going after uh, Justin Fields. The defense is going to show up. They got the the slime Nickelodeon MVP of this past week, the Detroit Lions defense. Yeah, right. Uh, give me the Lions going in there. Jared Goff's going to have a game. Reckless speculation. They're going to become tied for second place in the NFC North. Book oh, we just got Clemson's playing for the Cornhole Championship on ESPN on Sunday. If you want to hang your – Hey, I got one quick comment. So if your theory is right on your bet your nuts and – Alabama loses to Ole Miss. What does that do? How does that credit Tennessee's win against Alabama? If Alabama Ooh. wins, if Alabama loses, loses, Miss, Alabama Alabama loses. Ooh, that, that might doesn't look, look so hot anymore. Yeah, I think yeah, Ole Miss is, is still be LSU. Down. The number sixteen. LSU is a bad team when you beat them. Oh. Now, I mean, they're climbing, but. Wait, you can't just we, be a bad team when you lose and well, a good team when they, they – Well, we beat Notre Dame when they were ranked, and now they're a bad team. Yeah, I'm not discrediting that. I'm not discrediting you that. You said who did we beat? We beat nobody. Well, no, we beat you, a don't, you, don't have, three you don't have good enough resume as – I'm just saying, it only matters when it's your team and they were preseason ranked high and you beat them, but if they fall – and they were never, never any good anyway. They should have never been preseason. Well, no, no, like no, no, you can't got compare. A, got a point, bro. You, know, you can't compare. It's got a point, bro. Resume to I'm with, I'm with resume. There you go. I'm not I'm comparing that. I'm comparing, but, but that's what yeah, I was doing. I'm, I'm comparing preseason rankings to losses and actual resumes that you you're creating yeah. based on preseason. No, 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 no. I was exactly, Notre Dame I was, could be a top ten team. Notre Dame could be a top ten no, team, and Ohio State wins it. Right, if you look at the teams ahead of them, segment of the show, a lot of teams are going to lose. It's called closing segment. Notre Dame lost Brandon, Marshall. Just saying. I, 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 I give Ohio State credit go. for beating Notre Dame. Michigan's beating no one. Watch your mouth. <laughs> All right, who wants to go first with closing words? I I'll go. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Brandon. Go ahead. Just real quick, uh, this is why I love this show this time of year. Um, I mean, look at look at all the different scenarios, and can you imagine being in a committee trying to shuffle through all the shit in this going on and who loses, who wins? Um, it's crazy. I love it. Uh, that's why it beats baseball in November. Um, it's just stupid. Baseball, get your crap together and change it. Um and NFL, yeah, score more points. And uh, college football, man, it's going to be an exciting finish to watch. 
I really think so. I really think there's some scenarios here that could completely disappoint and make a lot of people happy. So Tennessee's getting in. Who wants to go next? I'll, I'll jump on here. <laughs> All right. And in my, my final words, uh, I'm going to go a little off uh, sports topic. I want to talk about a, a group of people that kind of were forgotten about, you know, in the last couple of weeks. And I'm talking about college students uh, being here in Michigan. Uh, we had a huge turnout for the midterm election that just took, took place. And I don't think uh, the world was prepared for what college students were going to bring to this election. I will speak for the two universities that are uh, within an hour's drive of, of me, Michigan State University and the University of Michigan. These kids were lined up all week for hours on end waiting to register and vote. And they did. For example, at Michigan, the last kid in line tabulated his vote at 2 a.m., he, was, he had waited seven hours. They put a call out to bring blankets to these kids that are waiting in line. It was very cold. It was about 35 degrees last night here. And these kids waited outside in the cold for up to seven hours. Michigan State, the last person there, the last student there, tabulated his vote at 1230 in the morning. And he had been in line since uh, 757 is when he registered. So... I think that speaks volume for, for a generation that I think it's a bad rap. And I'll be the first to admit, I, I, I didn't have a lot of hope. Um, they shocked me. And I couldn't be more proud as a Michigander of, of how the turnout was. And uh, as you see that the Go Big Gretch, she got re-election re in Michigan. And, and I'm ecstatic about that. But the bottom line is Gen Z proved that this is a this is an age this is a group of people that knew that their voice wanted to be heard and they mattered and i think people forgot about them and uh, they were the difference in this election and uh i'm just so excited for for what they're possibly going to bring to this table and, and just kudos to gen z voters it, what what a what a night it was last night all right uh Hey, hey, young people involved is always a good thing. Yeah. <clears throat> no matter your vote, I'd rather see them be involved. I be agree. involved. I agree. Uh, absolutely. Who is next? I'll go quickly. Well, it's not that quick, but you always like Rob going last. And I'm going to call out Rob, so I'll give him the last chance. Mainly because I'm <laughs> shocked at someone who politically is liberal and, and makes a living making a case when there isn't a case to be made. Uh, at times, just the strict interpretation of who beat who and, and that's about it and when. And to that point, you know, again, with with Oregon, 49 to three opening day, if they win and what have you done for me lately, they're absolutely going to give Tennessee a run for their money with the one common loss being a beat down by Georgia. That being in the opening day and Oregon getting the boost of a what have you done for me lately championship game. But. To back up Chain with Notre Dame, that could be, even though they have three losses, yeah, they lost to Marshall a long time ago. Right now they're sitting at 20. They're playing very well. They just hammered number four. If you look ahead of them, they've got K-State ahead of them who's got at Baylor probably a loss. Tulane ends up with Cincinnati. They'll probably jump them anyways. 
Texas has Baylor and TCU. NC State's not worth it. North Carolina is a dog this week at Wake. Then they have uh, likely Clemson in the championship game. Uh, you got Ole Miss, who right now is predicted they're not going to get the benefit of a championship game unless LSU loses again. They're predicted to lose this weekend to Bama. You got Clemson, Black, Bama, USC. They play. Now, don't forget, when they face the last game of the year, they're going to probably get, if USC beats UCLA, a number five or number six USC at USC. So they're going to jump multiple spots. My point being is Notre Dame could end up being a top 10, 8, 9 win, even though they have three losses. That could look great for Ohio State. And that could also spell doom for Michigan in some respects, at, at least if, well, Michigan's pretty clear. If they win at Ohio State, they're in. But the point being is we can make these arguments. That there are storylines. I agree. Randall even said it, you know, as a Tennessee guy, even though Tennessee hammered LSU, there's going to be a case to be made that a two-loss LSU, if they win out and beat Georgia on a neutral field for the SEC championship, you're talking about two teams that are probably going to be back-to-back. They're almost back-to-back right now. I don't think voters are going to say, hey, wait a minute. Tennessee beat them at 11 a.m. three months ago. Just by that, we're not going to put in a SEC champion who just beat the number one team in the country. My point is there's cases to be made for everyone, and it's just not a strict interpretation in that regard. Um, do I agree with you? Should it be the case? Especially when you win 40 to 13 at somebody else's house. Yes. Will that be the case? The odds are, I don't think so. Um, yeah. So, and just briefly to comment on that. Please. So, if Georgia wins out, and we all presume they will, all this talk is presumptuous on Georgia winning out. Yes. Well, then Tennessee's loss is the best loss on the table by the least amount of undefeated teams. So on the scoreboard, but everybody watched that game. No, 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 no. It it may as well have been like the Oregon score. Scoreboards. I mean, like you can't discount that number though. And so look, I'm not sure it's even Oregon and Tennessee at that moment. It's going to be the loser of Ohio State, Michigan and Notre Dame's going to be a, a good win, but their loss would be to Michigan, who's not as good as Georgia. So you're just going to keep stacking the deck. The best loss in the shortest margin is going to be Tennessee. And that's the end of the game. If Bama loses, is what they're saying, that win goes down. We're done with the argument part of this LSU takes another loss. That doesn't look great. And so, final words, um, yeah, I I want to – Congratulate Michigan for being a beacon of hope um, for uh, what at least I want the world to look like. Um, so great day for Michigan. And then also, um, this four-team playoff has been great for the sport of college football. And I hope that the jump to 12 is also great as good as it has been for four, I would have liked to see an increment to eight and see how it goes. Um, because see that drama and then do we need 12 or not? Um, because this, this, look, this chatter is great. And 
for you guys watching, you probably guys know that we don't really prepare for the show. We just kind of wing it. But that's how great these sports are, is that you can just get on here and talk and just say, hey, this is what we're thinking. And we've got one screen. and We're looking at facts as we go. Um, and just trying to make you guys be entertained. Um, and then the final thing, I guess we have one more show, and then um, I'm off the next week. But anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, we will see. This week's going to be huge in college football, TCU, and then we'll shuffle the decks again. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, other than that, I think, yeah, UGA staying there strong, and then yeah, that's all I got. Funny, Robbie. All right. And to my closing comments. And I mean, exactly. So let's call the season over today. Let's go to our 12-team playoffs. Here's how it would look. UCLA would be coming to Knoxville to play the Vols in the opening round. Oregon would be going to Ole Miss no, Ole Miss would be going to Oregon to open the playoffs. Clemson would be traveling to LSU. USC would be playing Alabama. TCU, Michigan, Ohio State, and Georgia would receive buys. I'm so excited about a 12-team playoff. I think it's long overdue. And, and I know there's a case for eight. I know there's a case for 12. FCS football does it with 16 and has done it with 16. And if you ever remember when the FCS playoffs were in Chattanooga, even that <laughs> championship game was – Hell, easy. Tennessee hasn't been I the went that game in 20 years. Yeah, I'm down. That was fun. So, and if it is a 12-team race, then our show would be cut like by two hours. Nothing to talk about. But, it would all be settled on the field. I, my point <laughs> this That's one, a good thing I, for people. I think the debate still exists. Is Utah team 13? Is Penn State? Is North Carolina? So we just moved down and the debate's the same. So <laughs> I think it's going to be great well, for I, I mean, in, in, in my view, the greatest sporting event in the world is the March Madness Tournament. That's 64 teams. You still debate about who's 68, 69, where you get seated, who you get matched up with. It, it's all drama. Mm-hmm. I think you all did a fabulous job tonight. Everybody that was great, knowledgeable, except for the people that suggested somehow Tennessee doesn't end up in the playoffs. You're horrible, <laughs> and I don't like you no more. Good night for the guys. It's great to be back. I had the flu last week. I, this is the most I've set up in like a week. I feel horrible, but <laughs> I'm glad to be back. And uh, I'm, I love this show. Uh, good night. God bless. Go Thanks, boat. everyone, for watching. Adios. By the way, hey, wait, wait. This is the boat and hose shirt, by the way. Subscribe and like. Oh, yeah. That, that's the next thing. I love how Raj has the sailboat on his boat and hose shirt. You're really just. That, this is the actual shirt, by the way. That's the actual oh, shirt oh, they wore okay. in Step Brothers. Uh, it's even so more impressive. Go. But yeah, yeah, like and subscribe and follow or whatever that you do on these things. Yep. Because I do Not a bad. one Will Ferrell word. Harold, mash that it. like button. Good night. The balls oh, are getting. Smash the like button. I got. Yeah, we don't. Uh, I watch all kind of YouTube's. I never. Balls are getting.